Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyat, your host. And this particular Sunday in the Byzantine liturgical calendar is the Feast of St. Luke. St. Luke, very popular saint in the Eastern churches. He's very popular to me personally because not only is Luke the patron saint of physicians, he's also the patron saint of artists. In fact, I painted a mural, an icon mural of St. Luke who himself is seen painting an icon, <laughs> the icon of the Mother of God. The very, very first images of the Mother of God, the very first painted images of the Mother of God have traditionally been assigned to St. Luke. In fact, they have some of these in Rome. One of them is in Santa Maria Maggiore, one of the great cathedrals of Rome, great basilicas. And the Gospel of Luke is read in the Byzantine liturgical calendar during the time prior to Christmas. And after Christmas, we've switched to Mark's gospel and also Matthew's gospel. So just as in the Latin rite, we have a certain cycle of readings, and right now we're in the Lucan cycle. So St. Luke, great saint, uh, one specially dear to me as an artist, a person with art background. Recently, we, of course, had the visit of Pope Francis to America. And Pope Francis seems to be one of these figures on the world scene, and certainly on the church scene, that for some reason... Everybody seems to want to make him out to be what they want him to be. This is why oftentimes you hear interpretations of him. One side thinks that he's saying what they want, you know, according to their agenda. Another side thinks that he's abandoning them and their agenda. And everybody seems to be pulling at him, a bit of a tug of war, trying to interpret what he's saying according to their particular agenda or through their particular lens. And sometimes, admittedly, when Pope Francis is quoted— it sometimes is a head-scratcher as to what exactly is he saying. Is he saying that? Is he saying what I think he's saying? Most of the time, though, we have to sift through what comes to us through the media. And what comes to us through the media, of course, is in need always of sifting through and editing and understanding much more deeply and in greater context, especially true with this particular pope. So 
So many people make of him what they want, or they don't know what to make of him. But at the same time, all in all, he's very popular, and he made a huge hit when he came to the United States. Well, at the risk of being one of those that makes him out to be what we want him to be, I'm going to look at him through the lens of the Eastern spirituality. In other words, to pick up on some things which I believe he has communicated to us that are things that, as they say today, would resonate with the heart and mind of an Eastern Catholic, an Eastern Christian. I'm not trying to make him out to be what I want to be. I'm just trying to look at what he said, and in as much as I can interpret it accurately, I believe that there are certain things that he has said that do in fact resonate with our Eastern spirituality, and certain things that are, of course, universal. And in fact, that's the first point I want to touch on. Pope Francis speaks, if you notice, in universal principles. And those universal principles basically are communicating the message of the dignity of the human person. This is something we heard also from St. John Paul II, that before we begin to categorize and take sides and go into the us versus them and argue and see who's right, who's wrong, who's a winner, who's a loser, who's with us, who's against us, it seems that Pope Francis is making an overarching universal principle that, look, we're all human beings. We're all in this family on earth. We're all brothers and sisters. So first of all, what we do, we do from the standpoint, the beginning point is that we are persons. And as John Paul II would talk about, the only real real response, the only honest response, appropriate response to persons is In fact, this is a title of one of John Paul II's books back when he was a bishop, Carol Watiwa. The title is Love and Responsibility. That's the only answer, the only appropriate response to a human person. And I think that Francis is picking up on this and articulating it in his own particular way, that when we start out looking at each other, not as either or or us versus them, not in a polarized way, but actually in a way that we are commonly all persons. And what do we do with persons? Well, love and responsibility. And also, as Pope Francis is saying to us, dialogue. Now, this resonates with me as an Eastern Christian because the starting point for the Eastern Christian anthropology is that we are persons. We are in the image likeness of God because God is person. He is three distinct persons, yet one God. And a very, very strong emphasis in Eastern spirituality is that we are made in the image and likeness of God. That is our starting point of the human person. The starting point of the human person is just that. We are persons made in the image and likeness of God. You see, the definition of person is drawn from God. A person is a being with will, with intellect, with soul, with transcendence, an immortal soul. And in that way, we image God because God is the perfect being. He is where we get the definition of person. A person is that which is distinct from all other creatures. Yes, we have similarities to animals. Many similarities. Sometimes it's even striking. My pet dog, Zeon, never ceases to strike me as to how similar some creatures can be to humans. <laughs> but I know that he is not a human. The difference is that we are persons, not just creatures. We are persons, which means we have qualities that are like God. Not equal to God, but like God. And this is the starting point, it seems, of not only Pope John Paul II in all discussions of moral issues, but also of Pope Francis. And in fact, 
In Pope Francis' address to Congress, he said this, There was another temptation which we must especially guard against, the simplistic reduction which sees the simplistic reduction which sees only good or evil, or if you will, the righteous and sinners. The contemporary world, with its open wounds which affect many of our brothers and sisters, demands that we confront every form of polarization which would divide it into these two camps. We know that in the attempt to be freed of the enemy without, we can be tempted to feed the enemy within. To imitate the hatred and violence of tyrants and murderers is the best way to take their place. That is something which you, as a people, reject. Now, this was one of the points that struck me perhaps the most as an Eastern Christian. One of the points of Pope Francis' address to Congress when he was here in America on his visit. The reason it struck me, because he's calling us to live not in the either-or, but in the both-and. One of my favorite themes in life, because it is what real spirituality is, and it's a strong emphasis of Eastern Christian spirituality. And you see that in everything that we do. For me, one of the most significant places and obvious places that we see this whole idea of living in the both-and is in something that is in Byzantine churches. It's very characteristic of Byzantine churches. It's called the icon screen. It separates the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, from the nave, the rest of the church. This, of course, is based upon the ancient model of the temple that we see going all the way back to biblical times and in the Jewish tradition after that. The reason why this is significant, and I think very telling, is that that icon screen, which goes from the floor to the ceiling, is richly decorated with icons. It's an elaborate structure. It has three sets of doors on it. But the reason why it is so significant for our purpose here is that because of its structure, it necessarily prevents or hides our view and our entrance into the Holy of Holies. A lot of times people will walk into a Byzantine church and say, you know, that that icon screen there, you you can't see the priest. My response is, exactly. That's part of the point of it. You don't see... But at the same time, you do see at times, at specific times in the liturgy, when the priest comes out from behind the icon screen, faces the people, then he goes back in, and there's a certain rhythm to that during the services in the Byzantine church. And what this rhythm teaches us is precisely living, in this case, praying, worshiping, in the both and. That heaven has been revealed to us, but not fully. We can touch heaven, but we're not there yet. So there's a certain tension that we live in. And this tension, exemplified by this icon screen, so well illustrates one of the most basic facts of spirituality that Pope Francis touched on in terms of human relationships. Only in our case, we're talking about the liturgy and the architecture of the Byzantine church. It touches on the fact that life is about both and. God has revealed himself. He has come to earth, but... There is still so much yet we do not know, that we're not there yet. We're not fully, completely in heaven. We are not fully, completely with God yet. Although he has come down and touched us and we can touch him, there is still much more that is not known and is there for us to learn, to move towards for all eternity. So there's this veiling and revealing, this hiding and revealing all at the same time, all within the same structure. And if you notice the services in the Eastern churches, tend to revolve around that structure. 
that icon screen as the priest moves in and out, sometimes standing in front of it, sometimes passing in and standing behind it. But it's never either or. It's always both and. And there, the very architecture of the church, the liturgy of the church, immerses us into this principle that Pope Francis touched upon, that we have to learn to live life and even understand God and to worship God, to do everything in the both and. Something we know, something revealed, and something yet beyond us. And stay away from those deadly polarisms, those deadly dichotomies that seem to be dominating the world. And I believe this is a particular point of Pope Francis and his pontificate. We're going to talk more about the Pope in light of the Eastern spirituality when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loyal on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. are listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Seeds of Love Endure. Hitler and Stalin didn't. And now, a Sheptitsky Institute Minute with Father Peter Galadza. During World War II, the Ukrainian Catholic Archbishop Andrei Sheptitsky saved hundreds of Jews from Hitler's Holocaust. Kurt Lewin, the son of the murdered chief rabbi of Lviv, was one of them. In 1990, the Ukrainian Catholic Church emerged from 50 years of Stalinist and Soviet oppression. Lewin later wrote, The compass that guided me all these years was the memory of the encounter with Archbishop Sheptitsky and his brother Clement, two spiritual giants who by their example charted a course for many. The efforts of their lifetime seem to be destroyed at the end of their lives, but time has shown that the seeds they sowed resulted in a rich and rewarding harvest. To learn about degree programs in Eastern Christian Studies, visit sheptitskyinstitute.ca. That's S-H-E-P-T-Y-T-S-K-Y institute.ca. Welcome back to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host. 
I would like to say hello to one of our listeners who wrote to me recently. It's Craig and Pat Wagner from Utica, Illinois. I really appreciate getting your letter, Craig and Pat. A very nice letter. You say, thank you so much for the Light of the East radio program. I have learned so much from it. I only wish it had been around in the 1960s. <laughs> May God bless you in all your work. Well, in the 1960s, I was a little boy. So I've grown up now to be a 61-year-old man. I am in my 60s, and I'm glad to bring Light of the East to you, Craig and Pat. But very, very... Very appreciative of your very kind words. And again, we all like to hear from you here at Light of the East. So you can drop us a line or you can email me at taborlife at earthlink.net. Taborlife at earthlink.net. It's the email also for our Tabor Life Institute, out of which I do a lot of my speaking engagements. So if you want me to speak on anything, Eastern or Theology of the Body, Spirituality, the Hot Button Issues, whatever... I'm available through the Tabor Life Institute. You can go to taborlife.org and check out what we do or email me at taborlife at earthlink.net. Taborlife at earthlink.net. So again, thank you, Pat and Craig, for your kind letter. We do really enjoy hearing from all of you listeners. As I mentioned, we're looking at Pope Francis through the lens of Eastern spirituality. I'm risking, as I mentioned the early part of the program, risking making him out to be what I want him to be, like so many people and groups are doing, it seems to be, with this Pope. I'm risking that. Hopefully, I'm not actually doing it. What we're doing is seeing where what he has said, as we understand it, resonates with us as Eastern Christians. And one of the reasons why I think this is significant is because it underscores the mission of this program, which is a unity between East and West. Largely, we present the gifts of the Eastern churches. However, we also present the gifts of both churches, East and West, because the point is, is in the end, we are one or ought to be one, ought to see ourselves as one, although coming from two but complementary different perspectives, but arriving at the same point. Sometimes when we make divisions or we emphasize the divisions, we tend to maybe go overboard with that. It's important to see how we are in complement to one another. It's very important. But it's also, I think, equally important, or maybe, more, or maybe even more so, it is important to see where we converge where in the end, we all arrive at the same point. You know, spirituality, although we speak of it in different forms, you know, Carmelite spirituality, Franciscan spirituality, Eastern spirituality, although we talk about that, when you get underneath it all, when you come to where they all land, it's basically the same point, basically. Let's face it, it's about our union with God, our place at the wedding feast of the Lamb in heaven together as one bride of the bridegroom Christ. There's various ways to get there, that's the beauty of the church. But underneath it all, we all land, hopefully, at the same basic place. So Pope Francis is saying some things that are very recognizable to Eastern Christians. And another one of those things he's saying, and he says this a lot, he seems to be very, very uh, concerned about the environment. And the reason why this is significant for us as Eastern Christians and for our program is because he's coming from a perspective that is very, very much like our own. In other words, it's that sacramental worldview I often talk about. It's that view that our liturgy gives us, whereby we see the created order as revealing, in fact, participating in God, manifesting God, incarnating God, whether it's a human person, above all, or a blade of grass, especially a prairie grass, where I live here, <laughs> and we have a wonderful award-winning prairie on our church property. You can learn about that by going to our parish website, byzantinecatholic.com, and looking at the nature page. We have an award-winning prairie, and 
When I walk through that prairie, it truly is a mystical experience for me because I know I'm walking through vegetation that is, first of all, absolutely beautiful, very organic, very fascinating, always different, always entertaining, an outdoor classroom. But I know that what I'm walking through precisely because it is so beautiful and wonderful is because it is God himself who put it there. These are the particular plants that God put in this part of the world, where we are here at Light of the East in the Midwest. If I was in another part of the world, California or something, and I walked by the vegetation there and palm trees and so on, I would rejoice in the experience of God through those particular kinds of vegetation, because I know that God put those there. And what we should avoid doing is taking away what God has done and putting something else there that's foreign, as though we know better than God. And I think that's part of what the Pope is saying here. But he's also, above all, ensconcing this whole approach to the ecology and the environment in, once again, that starting point, the vision of the human person. He says, it must be stated that a true right of the environment, quote-unquote, does exist for two reasons. First, because we human beings are part of the environment. We live in communion with it, since the environment itself entails ethical limits which human activity must acknowledge and respect. Man, for all his remarkable gifts, which are signs of a uniqueness which transcends the spheres of physics and biology, is at the same time a part of these spheres. He possesses a body shaped by physical, chemical, and biological elements and can only survive and develop if the ecological environment is favorable. Any harm done to the environment, therefore, is harm done to humanity. Second, Because every creature, particularly a living creature, has an intrinsic value in its existence, its life, its beauty, and its interdependence with other creatures. We Christians, together with the other monotheistic religions, believe that the universe is the fruit of a loving decision by the Creator, who permits man respectfully to use creation for the good of his fellow men and for the glory of the Creator. He is not authorized to abuse it, much less destroy it. So you see, the human person is part of the environment, and the human person is really at the center of it. It is there for us, but it is also there for us to steward. It's very reciprocal. The environment gives to us, and as we steward it properly, we give back to the environment, which in turn gives back to us. And this is that certain rhythm or harmony that God has built into creation, which we are supposed to, first of all, perceive and embrace. And the way we do that is by taking that liturgical sacramental vision. And in fact, in addition to Pope Francis, one of the great, great figures for the environment, for ecology, is another great, great religious leader, the patriarch, the ecumenical patriarch of the Greek Orthodox Church, Patriarch Bartholomew, which it can be said in a manner of speaking, because I don't want to upset my Orthodox friends, but in a manner of speaking, he is maybe the closest thing to a pope that we might have among the Orthodox churches. Now, I'm not calling him a pope. I'm just saying he's the closest thing. And I'm saying that to just to help explain or illustrate who he is and what his stature is. Yes, all Orthodox patriarchs are equal in dignity, whether their churches are smaller or larger. It seems that on the world scene, Patriarch Bartholomew is the most prominent. I believe he is the patriarch of probably the largest Orthodox church in the world, the Greek Orthodox Church. And he centered out of Istanbul, which was originally Constantinople, which is where the center, the, the womb, the heart of the Byzantine church was. And with the great cathedral of Hagia Sophia, Holy Wisdom, 
which is now in Istanbul, used to be Constantinople, and before that it was Byzantium. So it does have a certain stature that maybe is beyond the rest, not juridically or theologically, but in terms of the global scene. So he, being as prominent as he is in the eastern lung of the church, it is interesting that he, Patriarch Bartholomew, is a world-renowned environmentalist. At the same time, we have the Patriarch of the West, the Pope, also showing his concern with the environment and rising to a great level of prominence in that regard as well. But all this is based in the spirituality of the sacramental, the mysteries, that mystical worldview, that liturgical worldview, that Eucharistic worldview, which looks at the created order, sees it as participating in God, and the only appropriate response then is respect, care, love, stewarding that environment. We don't worship the environment. In fact, I hesitate to even use the word environmentalist. We're not an environmentalist. You don't have to belong to some kind of a a group with a label, a category. You don't have to do that to be correct with the environment. What you have to be is correct in how you see, to see sacramentally. That's what makes us, especially Eastern Church, so-called environmentalists. Again, I put that in quotes. There are a number of things that Pope Francis has said that do resonate with the Eastern churches, the Eastern spirituality, but if I can sum them up, they all really come down to two things. A more sacramental view of creation on the emphasis on we human beings as persons, not as categories, not as labels, not as oppositions to each other, but as commonly commonly sharing that human experience, that human nature, as brothers and sisters. It's as if the Pope came to America and put his arms around us as his children and said, now, now, boys, girls, stop fighting. You're all my beloved children. God loves you. I love you. Let's love each other. We may have differences, but we can still love each other. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab. And on iTunes, Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.